Herbert West is not just your ordinary doctor. Others dare not dream what we are about to do. He intends to make medical history. This is no longer about just reanimating the dead. With the help of Daniel Kane. It's never going to work. It's going to be uncontrollably spastic. And a few select friends. It's the Caustic Soda Podcast! Yay! It's time to set the mics up. It's time for Tales of Woe. It's time to take the red pill on the Caustic Soda Show. It's time to do our research, unless your name is Joe. It's time to load the wiki on the Caustic Soda Show. To introduce our guest star, that's what I'm here to do. So it makes me very hungry to introduce to you... Jeffrey Combs! But now let's get things started. Why don't you get things started? It's time to get things started on the informational, aberrational, strangulational, nauseational, strapped in for the Caustic Soda Show! So, well, let's get it started. Are you ready? Is Take this, a swig. Is this live? This is, I think it's live. At the moment, it's live. <laughs> Not sure about later. We are all animated and reanimated here. Mm. So welcome live at the 2015 H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. It's the Caustic Soda Special Blend with Jeffrey Combs. That's... That special blend of... <laughs> Humans. <laughs> Thrilled to be here. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Caustic Soda is a podcast out of Vancouver, B.C. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this, but this I've is been to Vancouver many times. Yes, it I'm is sure. a great city, and I miss it. I love it. Nice. Well, you can come back with us. We, uh, Kevin has place an extra seat. Was, uh, I mean, Sutton Place was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's we a have a four hundred dollar duty limit, so I figure we could probably get you back over the board. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> a. Uh, he's fitting in. Uh, we're a comedy podcast that focuses on the dark, the morbid, the grotesque. Usually, each episode has its own topic, like we might do rabies. Ra- really, rabies? Yes, yes absolutely. For Here I am drinking water, and you want to talk about <laughs> hydrophobia? That's that's great. We we also did an episode on decapitation, which of course my, is particularly uh, my expertise. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Been there, done that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but we also do episodes that kind of call back to the previous episodes. The special blend is what we call them. All right, mm-hmm. good. So we also I'm, have a few I'm questions here for you. Thank you. Brilliant. Question number one. Uh oh. What was your worst injury? My worst injury, actually, um, I guess I haven't had too many bad injuries, but now that you ask that, it actually occurred here in Portland, Oregon. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> many years ago, mm-hmm. you know, I went to the University of Washington. And there's an acting training program there that I, that I graduated from. And one summer in between, uh, in between school years, I got a job doing, uh, in rep, doing uh, two plays at Reed College uh-huh. here. All right. And uh, we did Twelfth Night, and we did Tartuffe. Okay. Pretty sh- 
fancy schmancy, huh? Uh, and and um, and Tartuffe was the sound that made when you got a head injury. Tartuffe, <laughs> no. Um, and Twelfth Night was outdoors, unless it rained, mm-hmm. and then it went indoors. And at one point in the play, one of the other characters has to uh, push a trunk towards me. An elephant trunk, and it stepped uh, kind of, on Yeah, me. big elephant yeah. trunk towards me. And, of course, because it was outdoors and on grass, he knew how much to give it, mm-hmm. how much to push it to get it to me. Got it? Mm-hmm. Well, when it rains, we would move the production inside to the stage. Uh-huh. He decided to push the trunk with the force that he would have had to push it on grass Grass. outside on a smooth, varnished wood floor. (laughs) And my big toe Mm. and the trunk melded in an atomic blast of total white pain. And I wound up going to the emergency room, and and then I broke my toe. Oh, so wow. uh, well, what happened to the performance? Did you did you, uh, you didn't channel the it? Scene? Did you? I, I got applause on my exit <laughs> <laughs> because I literally fell over the trunk onto the floor, and everybody, that's really great. <laughs> Not knowing that my pain was what they were laughing at. They had no idea that you're just a, you're into method injury. Oh yeah. God, it hurts so badly. <laughs> but the show, I, my adrenaline got me through the show, and then right. and then right. I went. To uh, consummate professional emergency always. room, and they went, yeah, and that's freaking broken. Yeah, uh, so. <laughs> good times. Didn't feel good, but you you still have it. My toe, yeah, yes, right. I still have good it. Times. Yes, it's mm-hmm. there. It's good. Speaking Twelfth of night, ten toes. That's the uh, encore performance. <laughs> <laughs> Twelfth night, ten toes, one broken. Uh-huh. Okay. Speaking of adrenaline, I forgot to do the introductions. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well. So, Warren, you're our special guest host. I am. Who I are am. you? Well, I'm Warren Banks. I am a co-founder of the Darkest of the Hillside Thickets Lovecraft Rock Band. Yeah! Yes. We've, right. we've been here before with you, but in a different capacity. And uh, I'm sitting in the third chair this, this particular episode because the other fellow is... Uh, he's up in Canada running his own... Splinter unit. Yes. Mm-hmm. His own yeah. franchise Splinter of the show, show at the Vancouver Convention. But basically you're saying... You're my peeps. Okay. If Absolutely. anybody gets you, it's me. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and you have to write a song called Not Fresh Enough. <laughs> okay. Kevin, who are you? Uh, I'm one of the regular co-hosts of the Caustic Soda Podcast, and uh, uh, I like to think of myself as the funny one, but uh, I think the others probably think I'm just the funny-looking one. And I am Torin. Uh, I am also one of the founding members of Caustic Soda and of the Darkest of the Hillside Thickets. And, of course... I have heard of your band. I think I gave you a CD last time. You yes. probably just threw it out the window on the way back <laughs> no. to L.A. Nope. I saw it hanging from the review of his car. That's right. <laughs> it's the highest honor a CD can have. No, it's like, uh, it's like Napoleon Dynamite. I tied a string to it and I <laughs> threw it out the window. <laughs> and, of course... Jeffrey Combs, celebrated character actor, has played against Michael J. Fox and Scott Bakula, portrayed numerous characters in the DC universe, numerous characters in the Star Trek universe, and numerous characters in the H.P. Lovecraft universe, including H.P. Lovecraft himself. Guilty. Nice. So next question. Do you have a phobia? Do I have a phobia? Uh, 
No, I don't think I do. I don't think I have a phobia. I may have some little things, but no, I don't have any phobias. You're just saying that so we can't use anything against you in the course <laughs> yes, of this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> for me to I know understand. and you to find out. Well, no, I'll I, just put this jar of spiders away then. <laughs> uh, you know, it, nothing popped up right away, but uh, you know, there's probably some things I don't particularly dig. Well, maybe, I, we'll, maybe I we'll find the, out through some find of our out stories. You'll find out as we go along. <laughs> I yeah. fear the great old ones, Torn. Does that count? No, that's, well, I don't think there is a rational... Like, phobia is an irrational fear That's of something. Right. I don't an think it's a rational fear, fear of, uh, right. of, of Cthulhu. Right. So we had a, an episode in Season 3, which we called Bad Books, where we talked about things such as the Necronomicon. And I'd like to bring up The Shrieking Madness is the 12th episode of the first season of Scooby-Doo Mysteries Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> wow. In, in this episode, the Scooby gang is split up, but they all end up at Darrow University for Future College Prospects, where a fictional Cthulhu-like monster, Chargargothicon, Chargargothicon, has come to life and is terrorizing the campus. In this episode, Jeffrey Combs portrayed the author of the book, Chargargothicon, The Beast That Hath No Name. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. as Professor Hatecraft. As Professor Hatecraft, <laughs> that's just good writing. That's and good and writing. not only that, I believe my co-star uh, was uh, Harlan Ellison. Yes, as oh, a matter wow. of fact. What, what was it like to be animated with Harlan Ellison? <laughs> well, well, listen, having a recording session with the great Harlan Ellison is an experience in itself, because because he's a writer. Uh, every time he had a line, he'd go, I'm not going to say this shit. <laughs> and, and they were like, well, but we wrote it, and, and, and you've, you've, you've read it already. And he said, I don't care. Let's rewrite it. This is what I'm going to say. And so it, was, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was very entertaining. And, and, it, and his wife was uh, really patient in Harlan. Harlan, <laughs> remember humans. <laughs> Harlan, be not be nice. You know he's a wonderful man, though. He's an amazing force of nature. I was on a plane with him one time, and uh, he had just had triple bypass surgery. This was like over a decade ago, and uh, he just lit into a security guard at the baggage claim uh, like I've never seen anybody do before. Probably because he rolled the trunk into his toe. Wow. We and almost, Ellison, he's a we almost got arrested. Yeah. You know, Harlan Ellison almost got me arrested. <laughs> I, I a, I'd had a T-shirt made that said that if that happened to me. He's intensity. If you look it up in the dictionary, it's a picture of Harlan. Now, this was the episode where I learned that Shaggy and Velma dated. I didn't know that. And that Shaggy dumped Velma for Scooby-Doo. <laughs> they Uh-oh. talk about this in the episode. That uh, makes a lot of sense. Now that's writing yeah. right there. Uh, <laughs> yes, now, you're bringing up some obscure stuff here. <laughs> uh, research is our strong suit. Yeah. Right, I did recur. Go. I did come back and pl- play Hatecraft in another episode. Oh, I didn't watch that. You one. didn't know that, did that's you? Uh, you got oh, me wow. there. I, I did. I did. Oh. Uh, they were they were they were cool guys. Now, you also played H.P. Lovecraft in the feature film Necronomicon Book of the Dead from 1993. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. With uh, prosthetic chin and nose. Yes. And how was that? Well, it was weird because, you know, <laughs> uh, I mean, the makeup was great. But uh, me playing Lovecraft is, uh, you know, a bit like, you know, Mickey Rooney playing Boris Karloff. I mean, it just, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, mean I, I, you know, I'm nothing like... Lovecraft, so it was a bit of a uh, 
It's a bit of a push there. I, I have a, uh, a bad books-related story from real life. Let's hear it. Like to, we'll read it out, and, and you can chime in or react in any way you, seem, uh, you deem appropriate. Ah, that's, I like that kind uh, of freedom. Harvard University scientists have confirmed that a 19th century French treatise in its libraries is bound in human skin. Arsene Houssaye's De Destinée de l'Homme, or On the Destiny of the Soul, is part of the antique book collection of the university's Houghton Library, which specializes in rare and antique works. Harvard conservators and scientists use several methods to test the origin of the binding material using microscopic samples. Through these tests, they are able to exclude the possibility that the book cover was made from the skin of a goat, a sheep, or another animal. They are 99% confident that the binding is of human origin, said senior rare book conservator Alan Puglia. And that's where the Nazis got the idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did an episode on Ilsa Koch and her uh, human skin lampshades that's and whatnot. That's so frightening. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to think about it. Is it a phobia? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, uh, yes, that's a phobia. That would be anybody's yes. phobia. Uh, of, of Especially being... if someone turns to you and says, we're going to make a book cover out of you. <laughs> oh, but but what if it was a really good book? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, uh, what's your if it was book? a really, what's my favorite and would book? You have, would you want your, to be bound in human skin with that book? No, God, no. My favorite book would never be. It's although, Little Prince, you know, isn't it? I don't know why we're so, like, you know, most books are bound or have been bound in uh, cow skin. So yeah. why, why, would I, why would we be skin to skin, right? I think I'd be okay with being a lampshade. You would? Yeah, I think so. I and think so, that, that's a, just the way you roll. I'd be illuminating, <laughs> right? You know? oh. All right. All right, everybody take a drink if you're playing at home. Uh, <laughs> uh, the conclusions confirm the veracity of a handwritten note in French found inside the book, which said the book was bound in human skin parchment. By looking carefully, you easily distinguish the pores of the skin, added the note, written oh. by a doctor who was a friend of the author's. A book about the human soul deserved to have a human covering, explained the doctor. The skin was taken from the back of a woman who suffered from mental illness and had died of a heart attack. Wait, from her back? From her back. Jesus Christ. The, well, it's, it's the flattest part, okay. right? And you, the you, you know what occurs to me? Yeah. <laughs> French. <laughs> <laughs> it's the French. The, the, I'm right? telling you. I'm telling you. Unbelievable. Uh, the doctor had another book bound in human skin in his personal collection that no. was tanned with sumac. Sumac is a flowering shrub that yes. produces fruit that is ground into a spice. Uh, Harvard said this book was the only book in its collection bound in human flesh. However, the practice, called anthropodermic bibliopegy, well, was that's... somewhat common. <laughs> what? There are, there are many accounts of similar occurrences in the 19th century in which the bodies of executed criminals were donated to science and the skins would be given to tanners and bookbinders. So we're going to uh, hang you. But before we do... Would you like to be a book after well, you're dead? I mean, at least if they gave him the choice, you know, I mean... Uh, it's kind of like, well, at least I can uh, help people, you know, learn yeah, in yeah, the future. Yeah, absolutely. Did, yeah. did they get to request what kind of book they were a You would of? hope so. You'd hope it'd be like something about recidivism or, uh, you know... <laughs> you know right. Or, uh, you know... Uh, skin maladies. Yes. How about that? Oh, yeah, there you <laughs> go. A dermatological <laughs> textbook would be <laughs> yes, perfect. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, when it's, that's when it's right. That's yeah. when it's right. That's when you wrap it in the, one, the guy who had scabies or something. Yeah, so that, yeah you, know, you know. It's like it, it, it becomes a sort of a, a feel and learn as well as a, uh, you know. And then, if it, and then if it has a pimple on it, you kind of yeah. have to like oh, yeah. pop yeah. the pimple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank I you. think I would agree if uh, if I if I under the condition that they would use my face. 
Oh, <laughs> nice. And if it was a children's book. <laughs> trauma. Be- trauma <laughs> right there. Yeah. Uh, that would be a Facebook. Oh! Nice. High five. Take a drink. <laughs> For those of you who can't see, Kevin and Jeffrey are sitting very closely together. <laughs> So that might explain that. And last. for those of you, <laughs> you, those of you can't see, my tongue is down his throat. No, okay. <laughs> uh, this is great. A dream come true. In season three, we had an episode we called "Film Fatal," where we talked about accidents on uh, movie sets and whatnot. I have a follow-up from 2012, Los Angeles. The veteran action stars of The Expendables 2 say a stuntman's onset death served as a reminder of the danger behind big-screen thrills. Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, and Arnold Schwarzenegger star in the film. The film was also distinctively old school in its approach to action using minimal computer effects in favor of stunt work and real explosions. Stuntman Kun Lui, 26, was killed during one such sequence while filming at a dam in Bulgaria. Uh, Bulgaria. I've shot three movies in Bulgaria. I can tell you that... If that's going to happen, it's going to be in Bulgaria. Okay, okay. Right. <laughs> that's one to watch out for. I had, a, I had a friend of mine uh, worked on a movie in, in uh, Romania. I worked in a movie in Romania yeah, as well. Exactly. And uh, they said they had a car that they needed to shoot up. And in, in North America, if you need to shoot up a car, you'd right. rig the little squibs and right. whatever and like right. punch bullet holes in the side of the car. Right. And in Romania, they went to the special effects guys and they said, okay, well, how long do you need to rig up the squibs and prep the car? And they said, we don't prep the car. What are you talking what about? What are you talking about? They're like, well, how are you going to shoot up the car? We're going to take out our machine guns and shoot the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I got one. In, yeah. in Bulgaria, someone had to go through a plate glass window. And you know, you, you, you know where this is going, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not candy glass. In no, no yeah. candy glass. The guy went, I do it. I do this I do many times, you know? And he, <laughs> and he did. He went through yeah. a fucking glass window. <laughs> <laughs> Stallone said that there had been deaths during two of his previous films and is never easy. Yeah, well, and some of his movies just died on their own accord. Okay, go ahead. Co-star Dolph Lundgren said in an interview that his stunt double was seriously hurt in the same explosion. He was hit in the eye by a piece of iron. At the end of the credits, the film is dedicated to Kun Lui's memory, but the stuntman's parents have sued Millennium Films and the movie stunt coordinator, claiming they were reckless in the preparations, training, and execution of the stunt. That is a nice and thoughtful gesture to the uh, decedent and, and his family, but certainly it does not absolve the responsible parties of his death, said an attorney representing Kun Lui's parents. Okay. So, any close calls on the set that you can recall? For me? Besides the toe. <laughs> besides the toe. That wasn't really on set. Um, no, but I did witness one that wasn't particularly lovely. I was in uh, Italy, and we were shooting in the paved courtyard. This was during a movie I did called Pit and the Pendulum. We paved courtyard, right? And this is a period piece. And so there were like uh, Spanish uh, soldiers on on horseback, you know, and conquistador conquistador type guys with big, you know, metal breastplates. And this guy was on a horse and uh, the director wanted him to rear the horse up. Like, you know, and make the front legs go off. Well, uh, okay. What they didn't plan on was that the uh, the cobblestones were slick, mm. and the horse had horseshoes, and so when the horse re- reared up, whoop, and the uh, that that famous breastplate went right into the uh, stuntman's mouth. Oh, and uh, teeth were being picked up off of the oh. pavement as I decided to exit stage left and not uh, deal with this. <laughs> 
hideous event. Oh, that's, uh, a, that's a one horsepower um, that's, accident. <laughs> that's really pretty, uh, pretty awful. Well, Pla- planning is really important. Critical. Yeah, You've critical died a lot of times in your movies. I have. Do you have a p- particularly favorite way you died on film? No, you know, it's like an extension of when you were a kid and you were playing army and you died. Well, you know, you f- try to find all kinds of different ways to die. And so, you know, they're all good. You, you, didn't, you didn't like be, like having been killed or like you got frozen to death in an episode of The Flash, I remember? I did. I've been <laughs> shot in the stomach. I, yeah. did, I, get, I did get frozen in an episode yeah. of The Flash. <laughs> Falling off buildings. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a potpourri. Every death is a unique and special snowflake. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They all have They're all different. Pluses and minuses. Yep. Moving on to our season three episode on ghosts. Ah. You start in... The Frighteners. A lot of ghosts in The Frighteners. By uh, Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. The great Peter Jackson. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. About one of my personal favorites. I enjoy that movie immensely. Thank you. Yeah. I do, too. Yeah, I'm absolutely. very proud of it. And um, I uh, was, uh, came to that movie sort of late. Peter was looking for that character for a long time. Oh, oh yeah. And um, couldn't find it. And uh, I think my agents had tried to get me in there, and they said, no, he's... He, he, he's too young for the character. That, that's, not, that's not true anymore, but right. at the time it was. And, and so, um, but bless him, he kind of saw something. Well, maybe they should, not, not that I'm disparaging your performance in any way, but they could go back now with digital technology <laughs> and fit the current Jeffrey Combs. He's a little, little more aged. That's true. We had the technology. Yeah, well, you know, I think it worked. I, I don't know. <laughs> It yeah, was. I I think so too. Now I had a question about that performance. Like it was a very stylized performance. Was uh, uh, did you come to the table with that idea or what you, idea? Which uh, one? Well, you know, it a um, it was a collaboration. It was a collaboration. Yeah, That's you right. know, it was kind of like Peter wanted some really definite things, and he said, "I definitely want you to have wear black contact lenses." Yeah. So that your eyes look like they're absolute dilated. Balls of fright and fear, and like you dropped twenty tabs of acid, and never came back. <laughs> and so, you know, that's that was sort of the starting point. Yeah, uh, nice. the haircut um, that, that that one's on me. I, uh, <laughs> I went to the Wellington Library and I got a, a picture book of young young Adolf, and I. <laughs> And I, and, I, and I went to Peter, and I said, what about that look? You know, uh, I, uh, and, I thought he, and I thought he would go, are you insane? Uh, but he was at the craft service table, you know, eating <laughs> chips or something. You caught him at a moment of weakness? <laughs> I don't know. He looked down, and he went, yeah, that'll work. And I was like, oh, no. What did I, oh, no. But it kind of works for the whack. For the character? For Absolutely. the dude. He's whack. Absolutely. My, my idea was that he had just come out of being in a white supremacist group, you know, embedded in some white supremacist group that the FBI was, you right. know, they pulled him out yeah. so that he could go and investigate these uh, ghosts. So that was sort of my... Uh, Your backstory. My backstory. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I'm yeah. surprised it didn't fold it into the uh, overall plot. Didn't, didn't matter, did yeah. it? Yeah. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> did you do any... Uh, training or research did you get any insights into the paranormal while you were getting ready for that role yeah no (laughs) (laughs) i just went for it i just uh you know give me an fbi badge and i'm in control Uh, 
Well, I have a question for you. Uh-oh. Did Peter Jackson expose you to any molds on the set? Molds? Yes. What do you, what do you mean, molds? Well, I see I have the story, <laughs> Mr. Combs. In <laughs> oh, April gotcha of journalism. 2015, yeah. scientists reckon they've cracked the secret of the paranormal. They have found indisputable evidence that there is, well, not exactly life after death. They put it down to mold. Mold yeah. is where we all go. Yeah. After, after huh? we die. After yeah. we die, we turn into mold. Uh, yes, and apparently tales of ghosts and spirits have been a common theme around cultures for thousands of years. But researchers at Clarkston University in New York think that they may be able to shed some light onto the phenomenon thanks to a link between supernatural encounters and the toxic effect of subtypes of mold spores, which are inadvertently breathed All in. Right, you're, so you're talking about mushrooms. <laughs> well, scientifically speaking. You're talking about hallucinogenics. the term mold spores. Okay, all right. Mold spores, but it winds up like, man, I really tripped out and I saw shit in the air. That's right. One with the universe and all that stuff. Because I was high. Yeah. That's what you're... Yeah, very good. Well, basically, the scientists think poor air quality could be a contributing factor to reports in the paranormal. Poor air quality? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you mean like mold in the air, yeah, yeah. you yeah. inhale it, yeah, and then you see shit. You got a room full of mushrooms, you're going to You're going to see shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, also, also, it helps when you have spores in the air. I mean, I'm sure it helps kind of coat the uh, paranormal form a little bit, right? Oh. Yeah, like, uh, you know, uh, like when you walk through a cloud of smoke or whatever, right? Far you know? out. Yeah. That's all I can say. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Shane Rogers says, hauntings are often reported in older built structures that may also suffer from poor air quality. So it's not the structure that is haunted. The, it's the atmosphere that causes you to see shit. Yes. Oh. Wow. I like, I like this. this. So if that's the case, all of these sort of ghost reality shows <laughs> that are always shot with night vision. <laughs> yeah. How come those guys never like? Uh, well, because they didn't aerosolize some uh, some psilocybin and like pump it up their nostrils, well, right? You know, night vision is always green. Uh huh. That so could be mold. the mold. This certainly explains why certain structures are haunted houses or like haunted this or haunted that because the mold is persistent. So if you want to see a ghost, eat old bread. Oh, there you yeah. go. And if you don't want to see them. Get out your uh, caulking and seal up those cracks in yep. your walls. Right. And yeah. spray your mold sections to get rid of the mold. I like it. Yeah. I like it. A scientific explanation for a phenomenon yeah. uh, that I've never heard of before. Before I came down, I recently watched a film starring you as mold. Motivational growth. Yes. <laughs> oh. So oh. I would like to get an insight into what you did to get prepared to be mold. <laughs> oh. Wow, method? Uh, did you Dude, go method I had so many lines in that. I'm so glad that, that I, had to, I got to read it because uh, pages upon pages of uh, dialogue there. But uh, What's the basic plot of the film? Basic plot of uh, motivational growth is that a young man ha- who has not left his sh- shitty, moldy, filthy apartment for a year and a half, he just can't leave agoraphobic or whatever agoraphobic but also just trauma and um, his only friend is his old 1960s console television and the television uh, uh, goes on the fritz and so he's got nothing to live for anymore so he decides to uh, kill himself he falls and hits his head 
And when he wakes up, the mold that's growing in the corner of the bathroom uh, starts talking to him and, and giving him advice. Right. Quite often that advice is not very good. I, I got it. I got it. I can imagine the kind of advice mold gives. Yeah. Right? Can, like, can you? <laughs> breathe deeper. Yeah. Right. You yes. Know, uh, right. Listen to me. Yeah. And, Mold uh, does not give sound moral decisions. Well, actually, in that movie, uh, I kept correcting him because the, the actual uh, title is The Mold. Oh, oh there you right. go. Uh, the other advice, throw at your Tylex. Yes. Right? You, you know, know uh, leave the shower running 24 yeah, hours a day. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, don't buy any cleaning products whatsoever. Yeah, you know. Uh-huh. Did you get to be on set and be part of the? No. Was it a puppet? Was it computer animated? It, it was totally a puppet. Uh, it was shot in Chicago, and I did my recording before they ever shot a, a frame uh, in in L.A. And then they actually sort of took my uh, my dialogue and rehearsed right. with the physical uh, mold puppet until they could synchronize. And then when they shot it, you know, they were actually. Uh, puppeteers, yeah, moving the mold, M- moving the mold, yeah. right. moving the mold. That's a uh, that's a resume. That's better right than there. CGI, yeah. if you ask me. Yeah, uh, mold puppets, love it. Right, Jeffrey, let's talk Star Trek. <laughs> yes, let's do that. <laughs> Deep Space Nine. 
You played a character named Weyun. Weyun um, is a, of, of uh, the species the Vorta. And the Vorta have been uh, genetically altered to enhance their absolute blind loyalty to the, uh, the Dominion, an evil power in, uh, in the galaxy. And so we are... We do their bidding. Yes. Mm, but it. in a pleasant way. And why do you say we? Was there more than one way you? Oh, there's... Well, yes, of course there were more than one way you. You know how that happened, don't you? The very first time I played Weiyun, I was killed. Right. Uh, I, I have to point out, and, you know, maybe I'm showing my age, but I was thrilled that I was killed by the actor Clarence Williams III <laughs> from Mod Squad fans. Oh, there so you go. there you go. Yeah, some applause for for Link there. Uh-huh. And 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 so I was killed by somebody I used to watch on TV. So mm-hmm. to me, see that's where I'm at. I'm yeah. a, I'm a fan too. Absolutely. And then they said later, why did we kill him? Mm-hmm. Why did we kill that character? And mm-hmm. so somebody said, well, well we could clone him. I mean, Science fiction. So they'd kill me, and then I'd show up, and they'd kill me, and I'd show up, and they. Isn't that that's the highest compliment that any actor can receive? Is that that you can that once they murder you, they desperately want to bring you back somehow? I, it's job security. Yeah, man. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Anyway, so I'm that's, surprised that's, they didn't just ask you to reanimate yourself. Ooh, no. crossover. <laughs> well, you know, they, 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 yeah. Well, Herbert West shows up to bring Wei Yun back. Well, you know, they didn't go that far. <laughs> they decided not to go where no man has gone before. Uh, <laughs> love it. Our listener, Tara Murphy from Newfoundland, who says hi, by the way. It's Newfoundland. It's Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I've been to Newfoundland. Or Newfoundland or... Newfoundland is fine. I haven't okay. been there. What do oh, I care? Okay. Well, you're, Cana- <laughs> you're Canadian. You would know. Uh, she says to ask Jeffrey about the makeup for Commander Shran. The makeup for Commander Shran. Wow. Very um, uh, multi-layered there. Uh, first and foremost, I had to put on a, um, a sort of form-fitting little mohawky plastic thing on my head that had the little two metal spiny things. So they attached that. Then they uh, covered that with the wig, and I had a little gearbox back in the nape of my neck. <laughs> what? And wires down my back to a, tr- to a transmitter on my belt, yeah. which went to a joystick. I don't want any jokes oh, about no, no. that. <laughs> <laughs> to a joystick where a puppeteer, that's uh-huh. what he was called, yeah. uh, would um, move my antenna. Oh. They didn't just have a little man on your back strapped to your back the whole time? <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't, actually. It's a lost opportunity, if yes, you ask me. well, you know. Yeah. Of course, Commander Shran was from uh, Star Trek Enterprise. He was the Andorian. Yes, he kind was. Kind of the uh, foil of Commander Archer. And all of you are pink skins. Yeah. Uh, there you go. And uh, executive producer Manny Cotto and writer Michael Sussman have both stated that had the show been renewed for a fifth season, Combs would have been made a regular cast member. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> it would have really... It's kind of one of those, I love you. <laughs> no, and that would have been great. 
However, that's an alternate universe. It did yeah. not happen. Did you ever think that they went to the network and said, we want to make Jeffrey Combs a regular, and then they went, you're canceled. canceled. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. Hey, we have this idea. You're canceled. You know. <laughs> yeah, probably. No, I, uh, I take that as a, uh, a, a high compliment indeed, but mm. it doesn't help me. Was the Andorian <laughs> character the best or worst makeup experience on the show? No, the worst makeup is the Ferengi. Those orange butts are not comfortable. <laughs> uh, big ears and you cannot hear. How about that? Right. Oh, wow. Oh. Nice. They're like, uh, like wearing a, uh, gluing a helmet to your head, literally. Right. And you can't, your, your entire head can't breathe. Mm. And if, at the end of a 16-hour day when that thing comes off, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've not heard such things in the makeup trailer. When, That's uh, blessed relief. Oh, my yeah. God, I'm alive. <laughs> Do they have a special sign language to move you around if you can't hear them? It's like having a really bad head cold, and you can't modulate what you're doing. You can't, like, think you're loud or quiet. It's like cup your ears over your, and then all day. And yeah. act. Do that. And, and then act. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know. Do you have any uh, uh, tricks of the trade in, order, in case you missed one of your other uh, uh, cast members' lines that would be your, like, lead-in? Or did you learn to lip-read? Like, yeah, uh, a little bit. A little bit? A little yeah, bit yeah. of just kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> go with it and, uh, and hope and pray that it, that it works, yeah. you know? You find out very quickly who the, who the uh, other cast members are that don't move their lips very much. <laughs> right. Yeah. This ties so. in with our Season 1 episode on Space Warfare, and I have a follow-up from September 2015. This comes from motherboard.vice.com. When most of us think of space warfare, we picture the Hollywood variety. Starships firing lasers while at warp speed. Like that? (laughs) Yeah. But in reality, the state of modern orbital warfare looks more like a slow burn political thriller. The first regulations on military use of space were laid out during the space race, with the horror of Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombing still fresh in people's minds. Many were rightly petrified atomic warfare would spill into outer space. Their fears were validated by the fact that both the U.S. and the USSR detonated atomic bombs in space during the early 1960s. No. True story. I didn't know that. (laughs) To prevent the possibility of mushroom clouds raining down from space, 89 nations signed the 1967 Outer Space Treaty, which banned nuclear weapons in space and prohibited weapons of mass destruction. In the decades since 1967, weapons have become more sophisticated. For example, the complicated problems sparked by technologies such as anti-satellite weapons. It may seem like a no-brainer to simply outlaw the launch of any satellite that can damage other spacecraft, but as it turns out, hundreds of satellites could fit this description. What looks on paper like a benign mission to clear up space debris could end up being an Did you anti- just say debris? <laughs> Could end up being because an anti-satellite you know what it is, project right? you know what in disguise. That is. It's not Debris. I'm from Canada. <laughs> the same technologies that can help us service malfunctioning satellites can't help can also be used to tamper with other satellites or create more Debris by shooting <laughs> spacecraft down. Military leaders from the U.S., Russia, and China have been particularly invested in developing these kinds of technologies for outer space, and occasionally they will demonstrate their capabilities. In 2007, for example, the Chinese Space Agency performed a kinetic kill on one of its own satellites by shooting it down with a ground missile. It caused oh. a massive amount of debris in high levels of space <laughs> where it can uh-huh. do major amounts of harm. To this day, they have never officially said what they did or why they did it. Over the summer, this past just, summer... It was just for kicks. Just, uh, you know, like yeah. firing uh, bottle rockets at no your buddy on deal. Halloween, right? No big deal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
Over the summer, European Union diplomats convened a meeting between major spacefaring nations. The goal was to discuss a proposed code of conduct for outer space activities, which aims to keep space militarization in check. Unfortunately, unfortunately, they did it in Morse code, and half of them couldn't understand it. It was the Morse code of conduct. They were all. They were, oh. Maybe they were all wearing Ferengi headpieces <laughs> at the conference, yeah. uh-huh. and nothing got accomplished. The gathered diplomats, representing over 100 countries, could not come to an agreement about the terms for the code of conduct. One of the major stumbling blocks for the negotiations was the firm U.S. position that the code explicitly grant all nations the right to self-defense, a stance that some see as a tacit loophole for amping up American military domination of space. The scuffle over the parameters of self-defense is a microcosm of general global tensions about the ownership and use of space, while only a few nations on Earth have the ability to visit, study, and weaponize orbit. The Outer Space Treaty ensures that, legally speaking, outer space belongs to all Earthlings. What's right. happening now is there is no yeah. political will, says Joanne Grabinovich, a prolific space lawyer. <laughs> oh, yeah. A space lawyer. Oh, yeah. She wears one of those silver reflective suits. Right? Your Honor, yeah. I represent Jupiter, yeah. and I would like... No. Okay. Professor Emerita at the University of Mississippi said, the space of nations don't want to limit themselves, and they don't trust one another. 100 years from now, my successor is going to stand in front of a classroom and say... Oh, back then in the late 20th and 20, early 21st centuries, that's, what, that's when this new system was created. I'm not quite sure the point of this. Is it that uh, you should be free to uh, blow up anybody's satellite up in space because it's uh, open territory? Is that I, the idea? I think that's the, the, what they hope to avoid yeah. somehow. It's well, kind of they like wanted it, to avoid the debris. Yeah. <laughs> you're almost there. You're almost there. Practice, practice. Debris. Yeah. Debris. This is kind of just an international water situation, it seems yes, like. like. It's, it's like the wild, it's wild maritime law. Yeah. It's maritime law. Yeah. That's all you have to do. I think like a space lawyer is something you become when you're, you want to be an astronaut, but your parents want you to become a lawyer. Oh, yeah. yeah your Honor, high flying object. <laughs> you, know, you know what would be ironic? What would be ironic is if, as a space lawyer, she actually was just in charge of uh, negotiating. No, negotiating deals between tenants in like uh, commercial spaces and stuff. And then somebody wanted to get on top of this and they saw a space lawyer in the yellow Space paper. lawyer. And, I've uh, got the person. You know, we called her and she's like, yeah, I can take care of that. And she starts space just billing lawyer. like nobody's business. Space lawyer. Wow. I wonder if she, uh, uh, you know, she builds by the, you know, uh, solar calendar or the Jovian calendar. Lunar. How are we doing for time? Is it time for the dun, lesser? Dun, dun, of, uh, do we have a quiz? The lesser of two evils. Uh, oh, oh, it's like a would you rather kind of thing. Oh, bing, 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 bing. Uh, uh. Are, are you familiar with this concept? <laughs> well, I, I did a movie by that yeah. title. We play a game. We play a game called Lesser of Two Evils on our podcast on a regular basis. Okay. Especially when we have special guests. And this is frightening because I'm going to get myself in trouble here. No. Go! We basically take two horrible situations. And I have to pick the... And you have to pick which one... Which one I would... Uh, which is the lesser of two evils. Which is the lesser to me. of two evils for yes. you. Exactly. Okay. It's very personal. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Let me prepare. Okay, go. So what we're going to do... Is we have a number of random evils in which envelopes. we have in envelopes. <laughs> Call uh, back to Would You Rather. Yes, uh-huh. exactly. It's envelopes and everything. Okay, but uh, we Would You Rather is a film that Jeffrey was starred in. That's right. right. For anybody who's not uh, familiar with his yep. oeuvre. It's available on Netflix. Uh-huh. So you can pronounce oeuvre, but you can't <laughs> say debris. This is really good. Oh, oh, I got a better one. Of course I can pronounce ovary. <laughs> what are you talking oh, about? Oh, Jeffrey, I have a better one. Hey, Torin, what happens if you accidentally kill somebody? What's that called? Well, you get charged for man's laughter. 
man's <laughs> laughter. Yeah, <laughs> he's right about that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That one's true. I don't, what's the problem? Yeah, no, I don't see a problem either. <laughs> so we have the random evils, but we also have a control evil. All right. This is so like everyone... the bucket of water in the film. Yeah, right. okay. Yeah, in the film, you are kind of the evil mastermind of this game, the Would You Rather game. Well, I'm the MC. Mm. Right. And uh, in the film, it's a bucket of water. If you, you can either choose what's in the envelope or you are submerged for two minutes. Two minutes. Mm. Right. So our bucket a of water. mystery option or a, a known entity that you know is questionable. Yeah. yeah. From 2012, Rio de Janeiro. This is a real story. Okay. The family of an elderly Brazilian woman have filed a lawsuit against the hospital they say is responsible for her death after one of the nursing technicians injected soup into the woman's vein IV instead of her feeding tube. Though the hospital does not deny the mistake was made, they claim it was not responsible for the 88-year-old. Okay, wait. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. First of all, first of all, who the fuck injects soup into a feeding tube? Brazilians well, well, is the answer. The feeding tube wouldn't have been a problem. They've injected it into her IV. Well, I yeah. get that, but yeah. still, would uh, you go, hmm, chicken noodle soup? I'm going to stick that in well, her. Well, I'm guessing it wasn't chicken noodle. That would get in the syringe. It would jam uh, up I the worms. Know. Oh, you okay. didn't think it was like chunky clam chowder or something? Clam chowder, maybe. Uh, I'm thinking it was probably colder out, so they went with a cream Listen, You gotta, yeah. You got to figure it was, because otherwise they'd say broth. It would got to go like a, a lobster bisque could fit in a syringe, <laughs> right? right? A, a creamy tomato the alphabet vegetable. Soup. A, yeah, a, yeah, borscht. a borscht, a borscht, a borscht. But it is Brazil, so <laughs> okay. I'm sure. So he accidentally put soup into, into the veins of eighty-eight-year-old instead of her feeding tube into her stomach. Yes, Correct. this is beautiful. Oh, yeah. Okay, Ilda Vitor Maciel's uh, had a seizure that followed no. that followed uh, towards her death. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Uh, However, the form requesting an autopsy, which was signed by one of the hospital's doctors, stated accident was likely the likely cause of death and, death and suggested it caused a pulmonary embolism, which is a blood clot on the lung. Maciel was admitted to hospital after suffering a stroke, which paralyzed one side of her body. Her family said she was showing signs of improvement before the soup incident. <laughs> Maciel's son said uh, he even spoke with his mother on Sunday, and she seemed to be doing well considering the situation. According to the family. But she asked for a little salt and pepper. Mm. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. There was a fly. That Actually, was the problem. There was a fly in her no, soup. The soup, <laughs> the soup in her IV wasn't the trouble. Is when they followed it up with crackers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. According to the family, the nurse technician injected the soup into Maciel's right arm. Maciel then It's very began, important because the left arm. Yeah, that was fine. Yeah, be, that's right. Yeah. Then began to have a seizure, and that's when the nurse technician ran out of the room to get a nurse. A or he just ran. <laughs> yeah, that could yeah, be too. Fled the I quit. I quit. I'm that's here. it. I'm out. A doctor okay. was also called in, and Maciel was given medication to stop the seizure. Twelve hours later, Maciel was dead. So this is the control evil. Can so I ask a question, Torn? Yes. Food poisoning. Did <laughs> the nurse get a tip afterward? Oh. Or was it just yeah. no tip? Yeah. 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 Waiter. Yeah. That's right. Okay. I have an so, old lady in my soup. So what's my uh, what's my choice here? Well, why don't you take these four envelopes, choose one, and then pass the rest out. Okay. And we will read them, and each one, each person will have their own evil that they have evil to weigh one, against. Two. I'm taking three. Taking evil three. All right. I'll go with uh, I'll go with evil one. You Sounds. already do you know? None of you know. No. no. Well, well, you I know what's the in there, but I didn't look. And, you didn't and look. he also selected last. Okay. So, uh, so we open them. Yes. Open please. them up. 
All right. So who's going to start, Torn? Are we, we, will we read them all out and then... Uh... Yeah, let's read them all out. Okay, great. Uh, my personalized evil is to have my brain sucked out through your eye by an insane Crawford Tillinghast with his pineal gland flapping about. I've, I've done that. Bra- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, That's from, from Beyond. From Beyond, correct. Being uh, vivisected alive by Dr. Richard Vanicott in House on Haunted Hill. Mm. There you go. Uh, I would have to be strangled to death by the entrails of a corpse reanimated by Dr. Herbert West. And I would be trapped in a collapsed crypt with various patchwork corpse rejects reanimated reanimated by Herbert West as from Bride of Reanimator. Right. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm not going out on a limb. I'm going to state a fact. I do love soup. Right. <laughs> I, I, uh, I have, on more than one occasion, you know, started to eat soup and filled myself up that I didn't have anything, any room left over for the meal that was supposed to follow afterwards, that I have gone over the top with soup. Do you have taste buds in your veins, sir? <laughs> so, 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 the, so the question I'm posed here yeah. is, would I rather have soup injected into my veins? Yes. Which calls a pulmonary embolism. Or would I rather be vivisected alive by Dr. Vanneke? That's Correct. right. That's my, those are my choices? How do you yes. feel about those choices? Well, this is my thought. I yeah. think that I should take the soup in my vein, <laughs> and then Dr. Vanneke could vivisect me and get it out. Oh, oh. I like it. And Interesting. that way I would live. Uh-huh. Yeah. I guess according That's to the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're taking both of the evils I right off the top. No, I'd do the soup. Well, I, mean, I don't. This, this I would We've got like. to talk about their general merits. Their uh, uh, merits their and demons. Merits? Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, I said relative merits. Relative merits? Yes, yes. Uh, relative uh, to having my brain sucked out through my eye by For example, you would get to look at someone who looks. You, you'd get to this watch I someone would, who looks exactly would, like yourself. This I would watch. <laughs> the other one, I wouldn't be aware of what the hell's going yeah, on. Precisely. So precisely. I, I think I'd rather be ignorant of my death as opposed to witnessing it. Right. All right. Although I am also an egomaniac. Right. Right. So the question is, if this were to happen, would I then be the victim in From Beyond from this point forward? Would the, uh, you know, in the film itself... No, well, you'd be dead. <laughs> yeah. Because Crawford Chilling has just... He Suck your craves, brain out. Craves you, brains. You're done. Oh, no, absolutely. But what I'm asking is then... Me personally, Kevin Leeson, yes. would I now be, you'd the, be in, in the movie? Yeah. Oh, you'd be. You'd, be, you'd have a part in the would movie. Would I now have the part in the movie? Yeah, you'd I have mean, a part in the movie. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would be. I would have had my brain sucked so out, you, but I would at least be. You'd have a film credit. I'd have a film credit. Besides, <laughs> like, right. You know, that's I mean, a good point. That's, that's a good, that's, that's a really good, That's a really good point. But we can all make merit. that point. But I would have been killed by the great Jeffrey Combs, mm. you know? Well, see, here's the thing that's problematic with mine is that I would be vivisecting myself because right. I am Dr. Vanneken. Oh. So, Pro or con? Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> th- that would probably be good because I, at least I'd be kind to myself. Oh, uh, yes. All right. You think uh, you get the gentle vivisection? I, I get the gentle vivisection. <laughs> the well, humane vivisection. Yeah. I have a question about my uh, way to go because uh, I'm right. going to be strangled by entrails of a corpse. Right. In, now, intestines. Uh, it was, uh, to be accurate, it was okay, intestines. intestines. What did the corpse eat before he strangled? Oh, good. Because question. if he had soup, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's then a, I'm going to take entrails. But if he didn't have soup, I'm going to go oh, with injection. Well, Warren, what you do you want, like? You want that soup. 
Well, Either way, one I'm way or the soup. other, yeah. right after this podcast, you're getting soup. Oh, boy, <laughs> am I? Well, no. Right before this podcast, he went to Lardo's, and so a, a Portland institution. That's uh, true. So the question, what if it, it had had Lardo's, but it were being strangled by entrails full of Lardo's? If it were duck soup, you'd be in a Groucho Marx movie. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I'd probably get hit an awful lot before being strangled. Yeah. So I think I'll go with the soup in that case. Okay. Because uh-huh. those Marx brothers were pretty mean to one another. <laughs> That's true. Now I hate soup. Oh, well, I'm going to flat out say I'm not a soup fan. All right. Uh-huh. And trapped in a collapsed crypt with various patchwork corpse rejects, reanimated by Herbert West. It's not so bad. That's not bad. Well, wait, but wait. That's not. I think I got get the, to like. Him. I think the best one of all of the four well, mysteries. Well, and you might not be dead. You'd just That's be true. kind of. Kind of trapped because your co-star co-stars did pull themselves out of the exactly. uh, of the ground. And if you really got hungry, you have options. <laughs> <That's> right. <true. laughs> and it's not soup. And it's not soup. Oh, maybe maybe then it's his head that with the entrails full of corpses that strangles Warren. Mm. Ah. Do you want to be strangled by my entrails? Because we can arrange that. Mm. Well, I, I know you don't like written, soup. I have not yet <laughs> written my will. Would, would you be when you die? Are you killed by soup? Not in the crypt. Not in the crypt. <laughs> not no. in the crypt. No. So, so Torn, you're, choosing, you're choosing the crypt like it's not even close? Not even close. Yeah, no, he's they, thrown into the crypt. Doesn't uh, even say you die, actually. It's a little wiggle room there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got a narrow window of opportunity. Yeah. Warren, what you, you're definitely going I, I'm going for whichever option affords me soup. All right, because okay. I, yes. I, like yourself, I like soup. Yeah. I'm uh, a soup man. Yeah. And a on those cold, those cold Canadian nights... Uh-huh. Nothing beats a, a good pipe and bowl of soup. I'm going with vivisecting myself. Oh, oh he's yes. gone all the way around. Yeah. I like it. Nice. Okay. I think uh, just in in honor of our special guest, I'm going to go with the far more horrible fate. Yes. Just for the opportunity to have had my brain sucked out uh, through my eyeball by uh, you know a, uh, a thespian like yourself. Well, call your agent and get as good a billing as you can. Okay. <laughs> I want the uh, I want the and and the very and, and. Yeah. yeah. Now is the time when we promote our upcoming projects. Uh, well, go ahead. <laughs> I really I'm, I'm don't because I, I don't have right any. Now. Uh, well, what about uh, the gathering? That is so bogus. Oh, what? I have to tell you. Tell me. Um, maybe about five years ago, uh, this rumor went out. There was actually a poster. Whoever put this movie together put an unauthorized poster out oh, there okay. with, with, with all of these wonderful actors as if we had signed on for this project. <laughs> In an attempt to raise financing, probably. Uh, yes. And then uh, three, four years go by, and then all of a sudden it popped up again, something that you've... Something. discovered there uh it it, it just it does not exist my agent has never been approached oh okay oh. and there is no start date i have I, I have read a script though and it was actually pretty good but the right. after that in this uh, theoretical in this theoretical movie you'd be playing edgar Allan poe in this theoretical movie which actually has a kind of a good premise where all of the great horror writers are in hell and, oh, nice. and they're, they, they sit around and, and try to scare each other with stories. Oh, it's like it's the setting for Frankenstein. It's how Mary Shelley came up with the idea for exactly. Frankenstein. Exactly. In fact, she's one of the characters. Oh, there you go. And so, um, but it went nowhere. All right. That's Good too bad. Time. So there you go. 
Uh, do you have anything that's coming up uh, in the near future that's uh, about to be released or has just been released? Or uh, well, let me think about it. No, nope. excited about? Not really. Right. Not really. I wish I could say so. Uh, actually, nothing I can talk about. But there you uh, go. It's kind of you know. We'll insert something later in post production. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> sure. We're going to poll the audience for wild speculation later. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm sure there's more unauthorized posters out there, even as we speak. There are. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I've had a great time. You guys are uh, a lot of fun keeping the ball in the air here. And uh, go back to Vancouver and learn how to pronounce debris. That's all I do. Not That's know my what advice you're to you. I do not understand that word you said. You have a whole French province and you don't know how to pronounce debris. <laughs> thank you very much. You guys are great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank and you, thank sir. you, audience. For yes. Pleasure. I have a t-shirt. Yes. Are you size large? Medium. Medium. That's a medium. Perfect. Thank you, everybody, for coming out to the show. You guys are great. Thank you. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling. An ominous feeling. A feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new. And we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson, held in a stress position after being deprived of sleep for 96 hours. To comment on episodes and for links and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Support the podcast by donating on our site or visit patreon.com slash causticsoda. Visit us on Facebook, tweet us on Twitter, at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. I'm Derek Weber. Thanks for listening.